Hello, Ala. Good morning. How are you today? Hi, Esteban. I'm fine, thanks. How about you? I'm good. Thank you. Obviously, first of all, I'd like to thank you for allowing us to set this one up and also for being part of this, hopefully, an upcoming series that talks about conversation design. So thank you very much. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. You're welcome. So I think it's always really nice to start by trying to figure out exactly how we get to be together here in, today, in today's session. So obviously we get back quite a long time ago, right? Yes, so we, we have a very similar background as home, sort of a very similar background or status. But nowadays you're currently working in a consulting company called Arctic, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And can you tell me more about what's the current position that you do there and what's the business like at Arctic? Okay. So Arctic is a quite young consultant firm. It is a new consultant firm that has very specific values about how consultancy should be done these days. And it's more centered on giving the employees opportunities that make them grow and also caring about what the business wants. So many consultant firms are just centered around money, 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 and they don't care about the necessities of both parts. Yes. So this is a really cool thing about Arctic that they give you the opportunity to empower yourself through your work and through their projects. And there I am senior conversational AI designer because wow. now I'm okay. <laughs> and nice. I am positioned in the banking sector. Okay. Very nice. Okay. So actually that title is really, really nice. It's one of those back in the day, you and me, we were starting discussing when we were together in another company called Entity Data, right? That's when we met. And you were a um, conversation designer as mm -hmm. entity data, and I entered there as a computational linguist mm -hmm. doing my mentorship. And I do remember those days very fondly. And I remember that you and I, we were talking about how I wanted to kind of like do the next step in my, and do the leap into the conversation design. And one of the things that I discussed with you was the branding and the naming of the mm -hmm. title, right? Because it was very back at the very beginning, like a, how long ago was that? Like four years ago, I think? Almost four years ago, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember there was not many roles out there and the naming for it, it was very like conversation designer, user experience designer. CX designer, which CX is designer. customer experience designer and it's quite misleading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I do remember those ones. I guess like nowadays we are more in a better position to find roles, they, they are more suitable to our job and our judges, right? So nowadays, I think it's easier to find jobs around conversation design or like conversation designer per se. Yeah. And I think that's really cool because when I started, designers were like the last person project manager thought of to start mm -hmm. a mm, chatbot project. And I think that over the last Almost six years, we yep. have consolidated our position and shown our value. Yes. And it's exciting to see so many opportunities. But mm -hmm. it also, to me, it's quite puzzling because I see the positions, but I also know that it's really difficult to find conversation designers for the roles because not so many people are really focused on conversation design. Sometimes we feel like most people have it as a side specialty. Yes. But as the main special yes yeah yes i think it's really interesting how it's starting to shift yeah no definitely 
I think like one of the first things that we need to kind of like discuss right now is the background, right? So what's your background? How do you get, first of all, in conversation designer? And what is your background? Okay, so my background is mostly similar to yours because I studied modern languages, specialized in Spanish and Japanese. Oh. Yes, but don't ask me to speak in Japanese because I can't remember <laughs> much. <laughs> and then I did my master's degree in digital letters, which yeah. you also did. Yeah. And I entered the conversational world by chance because I was looking for internships at the yeah. master. And I was specializing in digital collections. So I had to choose a library or a company that specialized in digital collections for my internships, but there weren't any offers. Uh -huh. So I remember that at the time we got an offer from a technology firm for a computational linguist and yes. I applied there, but I didn't get that position. So I was speaking with my now ex and I told, and I asked him, wouldn't your consultancy firm want a computational linguist? Like, yeah, yeah. Just by chance. Yeah. And he was like, let me ask. And he asked and they needed one and I applied and I did the interview and I got in as the first computational linguist in Everest. And what? Was that well, it's the first one there. How yeah, not? First one. <laughs> wow, no pressure, right? So no pressure at all. Just shading cognitive LLMs and be like, oh yeah, sure. Yeah, because it was such a new role. And when on the first day that I got there, the person that did my onboarding asked me, yes. if when you were starting your degree, somebody yes. would have told you that you would up at a consultant firm in technology working to create chatbot, what would you have said? And I was like, I would have laughed in their face. <laughs> I mean, yes, true. I think that's a really key point that you just mentioned that since we have a really similar background, if someone has asked me back in the day, will you have imagined in a few years that you will be working as a conversation designer after having studied English and German at uni, I would have said, well, first of all, what the hell is conversation design and what is that for? And then secondly, I'll be like, no, I don't think so. Because that was so not in my radar, right? So like yeah. conversational linguists, I mean, we all know about linguistics, right? And how important it is to have linguistic background in this field, I would mm -hmm. say. Computational linguistics was not something that it was, I don't even remember it was taught at university back in the day, I, like degree level. There's a degree. But it's not very published because yeah. I only got to know about it when I was in my master's degree because okay. some of my colleagues had done this degree. But no, and even in the when you are doing your specialization in the last year of your degree, yeah, it's like residual because I had one class about computational language, yeah. just one. And nowadays I think that it should be really important because it's what we are leaning to. No, definitely. I think there is a shift, as you said before, there's a shift in the industry and in the whole world towards, okay, so we understand linguistics, but now computational linguists is something else. And also it's something different to conversation design, right? So there's a difference between being the person, making sure that the chat or the virtual assistant understands the end customers versus someone who creates the whole experience, the conversational experience for them. So it doesn't need to be they can all go together because in some companies they still go together, mm -hmm. but they are not exactly the same. No. And that's why it changed to conversational design, because yes. making sure that the assistant understands you is really important. 
But if you don't design a great conversation and have the main goal in your head when you're designing and what it's going on in the user head when they are speaking with, yeah. with chatbot, if you can train it as good as you want, but if the conversation is not well built, it's not going to end well. Yeah, <laughs> no, definitely not. It's definitely not. Yeah, that's so good. Such a highlight here, right? So the training of the chatbot or the training of the virtual assistant is just a fundamental part of it. But so the database for it is as good as the data that you have for it to train. However, the conversation is as like the conversation is at the end of the day, what the users are going to go through and then going to go down the funnel. So they really need to have a great experience, a conversation experience. So they having like a one-to-one -one conversation with the virtual assistant and not something that they're talking at something, right? Exactly. Very nice. Well, I mean, as you know, we at the Spectrum, we are working in conversational marketing. And one of our main aims is uh, having a one-to-one -one conversation with the end customers. So it's not something that they use to talk to a chatbot or to a virtual assistant or like a company talking at a end user, but more of a one-to-one -one conversation. So I guess that also you, you like to bring that forward in all your clients' use cases, right? Yeah. For me, the most important thing when I am designing a conversation is to make sure that the user feels heard. Because there are many types of virtual assistants, but mainly I work with assistants that are there to solve problems that yes. the users have so that they can be more autonomous and they can do things for themselves. Mm -hmm. So mainly users ask the bot a question, which is a problem like, I don't know how to do this, or I don't know about this specific type of thing of the website, or I don't yes. know where to find this. So you have to design with that in mind. And sometimes you design it in a very general way. Yes. And you don't cover the specifics. And it's in the specifics that it's the key to success because it's where the user is going to contact you. Because if I can do it, but I have to look around for a bit, I can do it by myself. But if it's something very hidden or I am not very digital, I'm going to need more help. And that's where conversational design gives value to the conversation. Yes. You think about the problem, you talk to them in a very clear and empathetic way. That's very important. But you also let them know that the users are speaking with a computer. You don't try to... Okay, I like that. I like the sound of that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. I think this is a twofold question. So let's start from the first question that I got from your answers and from what you just said. Let's say there's quite an array of virtual assistants or chatbots out there, right? Mm -hmm. So you spoke about your focus is on customer support um, virtual assistants or chatbots, right? Yes. And what would be the main field of customer support that you are now focusing on? Because I know that you've been working in the past for big brands such as Iberia, I think, um, Telefonica, was it right? Or yeah. 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 Right now I'm working with a Spanish bank. And okay. I can't say anything more about that. <laughs> Secrecy. Secret. No, but nowadays it's banking. But until recently, I was with Iberia yeah. and Telefonica, also Uniqlo. Okay. Yeah. A lot of projects, Vodafone to such different sectors. Mm -hmm. But mainly the, the main objective of all of them is to solve certain questions of the user yes. or help them do tasks. For example, in Iberia, we had both things. We had the um, customer help part for okay. 
I have a problem with my check-in. I cannot do it. I cannot mm -hmm. find my tickets. What do I do if I want to cancel a flight? No, that, yeah. those types of questions. Very specific and very leaning towards, as you said, the supporting part of the flow, right? Yeah. But we also added some value by adding tasks that you can do on the web, but empowering them through conversation. For example, wow. you can check your flight status on the web and it's quite easy. But how many clicks uh, do you have to make to <laughs> get the information? We've been there. We've been there. All of us. Yes. Okay. So it's like eight clicks, let's say. But with conversational design, if mm -hmm. I ask about, uh, I want to know if my flight for tomorrow from Madrid to Bilbao at 10 o'clock is cancelled. Yes. And you have just one utterance or one yes. query. And the bot is capable of understanding your intention, which yes. is flight status, uh -huh. and to get all of the entities that it needs to give you an answer. Love, so. the sound of those, uh, <laughs> love the sound of those keywords. Yes. <laughs> right. So we have a user utterance or like a user intent, and then we have the different entities within and the attributes within that yes. attribute. So in just one single utterance from the user, you can get all the information there. Yeah. And that for me is the most important thing that we can do. Yes. So one solves the user query with just one utterance. Love the sound of it. Love the sound of it. One of the things that I like to discuss about, you mentioned different companies and different fields, right? So obviously you said that you've been working on telco companies, also in traveling leisure companies, banking, insurance companies. I know that because we've been working in an insurance company together. Oh, that's right. I didn't yes. remember that. <laughs> yeah. So we like remember that we worked for this company doing the chat. So you were doing the part of the conversational experience yeah, and I was doing the, the data training for them. But what's your opinion or what's your take on voice and tone? And why do you think it's important to have voice and tone? And I think I have my own opinion, but I think I want to hear your also your opinion. Okay. So to me, it's one of the most important things because the interaction mm -hmm. user and company is yes. through conversation. And conversation is words. Yes. So you have to have a proper nice and tone that goes accordingly to companies. Yes. Tone. It should be in the same line. And you yes. should communicate companies' values through the conversation and so on, no? And also with conversational assistants, we have a new feature, which is modulating the tone to the situation. Yes. Because you have many use cases. You shouldn't speak to the user the same way when you are selling a product than as when you are filing a claim, for example, yeah, or the user yeah. is telling you, I need to fill a claim or I have a problem. My house is on my house. My house is on fire. Yeah. But for insurance companies, like you cannot tell them, oh, so sorry to hear that. Let's do something about it. No, you have to. I, that's a good example. Cause I always talk to my clients about that. Right. So how important is the voice and tone? And <laughs> I do remember like, coming back to the insurance company and from to this example that you just done, I think it's great to one of the things that I do in my conversational workshops that I have with every client when we kind of like establish and translate the use case into a whole experience and like the first draft of mm -hmm. the experience, I highlight the importance of having a voice and tone and the personality of the company in it, right? So I always go for what's the kind of like personality for your chatbot. But I think some clients have a tendency to think that the whole child will need to remain with the whole personality, like 
that personality doesn't change. So the chatbot is helpful, but it's really enthusiastic and it's witty <laughs> and is um, really upfront, but really helpful. And it's like, yeah, so that's amazing. But that will be for some specific use case. But as you said, if you have someone, a user coming into the chatbot and be like, hey, I suddenly got robbed or my house is on fire. And as you said, oh my God, really? That's such a beauty. Let me help you. Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or when they are frustrated because it's not the same. If I want to transfer some money or yeah. if I am like, I cannot transfer the money, I am doing what exactly what you are saying, but yes. I cannot do it. And you cannot start telling the user, don't worry, it's so easy, we'll do it in no time. You can do that. You can't do that. Yes. And so I think we have a long road here to cover in our field of work. Yeah. But I think that companies are starting to be more conscious about it, especially thanks to Twitter. <laughs> yes. Because with some projects, we have our chatbots have ended up in, in Twitter with people complaining about the service. And they are right because it's yes. like there's no empathy. Yes. The computer. Mm -hmm. And that has brought me back my question. <laughs> Thank wow. you. Uh, wow. You see, awesome. boom, in sync. It was around making sure that the users know they're not talking to a human, but they're talking to a virtual assistant, chatbot, slash robot, whatever you want to call it, artificial intelligence, whatever you want to call it. I always say this to my clients from the very beginning, the welcome message, everything that when you start the conversation with the assistant, you really need to say from the very beginning that they are not talking to a person because that's misleading. Why would you say that is the reason? Or what's your take on that point? Because up until now, uh, yeah. because now we have LLMs, ChatGPT, Llama, uh, Bard, etc., that have made a change really quick. Okay. Yeah. But still, conversational assistants have limited capacities. Yes. So if the user knows that they are speaking with a computer, they are more receptive to unhappy paths like errors or misunderstandings or not being able to complete a task. Because mm -hmm. if you think that they are speaking with a human, their possibilities are endless because humans can link some new information to old information and can say, I cannot do this for you, but I can transfer you with the right department or you can do this in the web. They have more opportunities to solve the conversation. Mm -hmm. Whereas conversation assistants have limited things because they only can do what we program them to do. Yes. So if the user, and we can try to tell the users that they are speaking with a conversational assistant in the welcome message, but users don't read. <laughs> so you have to do more things than that, but like the avatar or some types of messages. So if you set those expectations from the beginning, the users are more cooperative yes. with the computer. Definitely, definitely. I think one it's true that not only the welcome message should be just this stage in the fact that you're talking to a virtual assistant or a chatbot, but it's always, because as you said, some users may not read that message and they go right away into like the main objective for being yeah. at the table level. But I would say that definitely we need to restate somehow eventually and more often, hey, you're speaking with a chatbot, you're speaking with a virtual assistant, I cannot support you in this task specifically, or I cannot give you more information, but I can pass you to an agent that can do yeah. this. So like, I can give you some more, someone can give you more information than me. But 
by stating that and making sure that the users know from the very beginning that you're talking to a virtual assistant, you're managing their expectations. And that's the best thing you can and you need to put forward and move forward with because you don't want bad experiences at the end or end up in Twitter being like, hey, this is frustrating. (laughs) Exactly. Okay, sounds good. And then like one of the things that I talking back into conversation design experience is about how do you make the chatbot more human-like? Do you have some tips around that? Do you have some elements that you always incorporate in your flows to make them more human-like or is based on the use case that you go for? I think it depends on the use case and it depends on the company. Because, for example, there are some chatbots that I have made that appear to be really close to the user, okay? Because their tone is, is relaxed, they make exclamations, they use emojis, and they are prepared for the unexpected because we try to cover all of the cases. And there are some chatbots that are more utilitarian and the tone is more neutral, okay? But for me, the important thing about to be human is to be able to solve the task, not too much in the tone. I always say this, why should we put effort on trying to greet the user by name if we are not going to be able to complete their task? So if I humanize the bot, I do it by thinking of all of the possible things that the user is going to ask the bot Mm -hmm. and then trying to solve them. Because when the user is speaking with the virtual assistant, mainly in customer care bots, because with marketing bots, I think it's a different story because you are trying to do different things there. But here, the important thing is to solve the task. It's to solve the task. When the user hangs up, and I have verified this by user testing, They don't remember, for example, in call centers, when they call, they don't remember the voice of the virtual assistant. They don't remember the tone. They don't remember if the virtual assistant was kind, was funny. I asked them and they are like, yeah, I think they were nice, but I don't know if I was even speaking to a human. They can't remember that. Oh, wow. If they have solved the task, but if they haven't, they are like, ah, it's another computer. They can't do anything. They remember that they spoke with a computer because they weren't able to solve the task. True. As you said, right? So if the client, if the customer at the end of the day has managed to accomplish the task, they are more willing to forget or like they are more like yeah. eager or they're more, they're more prompt to forget about elements that may have not been that important if that task hasn't been resolved. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. And do you have any questions around, since you're talking about conversational marketing and you do virtual assistance marketing, uh, virtual assistance for marketing, do you have any question around virtual assistance for marketing for me that you may kind of like dig in or? Yeah, actually, I haven't worked with many marketing virtual assistants. So yeah. I wanted to ask you, what is the main focus that you put on these virtual assistants? What is their main objective and how do you modulate the tone and voice, because I know that's different because you're pursuing different things. Yes. Pretty good question. So as you know, so I do conversational marketing for like really quite big brands. So as you said, it's a whole different flow. It's a whole different path. It's a whole different approach to creating conversations. If it's for customer support or conversational, uh, like, or marketing or like, because as you said, you're trying to do something else. And in this case, it's pursuing the and customer to do a specific task that in this case is more related to marketing, either buying a product, a specific product, or guiding them through a guidance selling. So at the end of the day, it's more about 
getting to know or leading the user to get more information about the brand, mm-hmm. about the products, and in the end, purchase them, right? Or acquiring them. So in this case, what I would do is, first of all, we have, um, as you also probably have, is the conversational workshop. So where I, I understand more about the use case that they want to do, what's the main idea for the chat board. And once I have more information onto, okay, what's the main objective? What do you want to do? So like currently we have a really big American brand for cars that they're trying to create awareness about the vehicle lineup, electric vehicle lineup. And they want to make sure that the users or potential end users understand what's the great value about these vehicles and also leading them to, at the end of the day, convert to potential buyers. Which is quite tough because remember, always it's a really big brand and really quite expensive brand. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, trying to make sure that buyers are purchasing cars through either Instagram, WhatsApp or Facebook, it might be quite, they might not be straightforward or like they might be adamant to actually go and buy a car right from the chatbot. So the idea in this specific case, it would be more about leading then and lead generation and to create the awareness onto why these cars are so great. What can you do with these cars that you cannot do with others? So learn more about the vehicle and giving them that experience onto, we always talk about having an agent, right? So someone that kind of like guides you, right? So in customer support, it's more guiding you to complete your tasks. And in marketing, it's more guiding you towards discovering the product. So like as you go into a store and you have like someone like a body guiding you towards the, hey, this is what it is best for you. This is what it suits you best. So in this case, it's more about accompanying, if that's even a word, or like guiding the user towards the learning more about the product. And at the end of the day, making them feel empowered to buy the product. Yeah. And when you were talking about how you accompany the user to finally purchasing a car. I wanted to ask you, uh, related to the tone and voice and how you create the messages, how do you walk the line between the marketing part of the copies and the conversational part? Because I have encountered some cases where people are really contaminated by the marketing part of creating messages and communicating with users. And they are always like, no, but we should tell them here buy this product because of all of these awesome benefits. And it's like, imagine that you are speaking with me uh, and you tell me this text and you say it. What do you expect? Because it's not natural. And how do you navigate through that? (laughs) Because it's really frustrating sometimes. It's frustrating and it's hard. And I definitely feel it sometimes because it's true. Conversational marketing, there is really the line between marketing and conversational is very fine and you can really get contaminated by marketing messages in those conversations. So what I like to do is always have like, I create a copy for most of these clients. So what I would do is I'll go through what they really want to sell or what they want, the product that they want to promote. And then I will try to see exactly how we can incorporate those elements of marketing, making them more conversational. So like meaning, if the client says that, oh, we want to really say that this car is X, Y, C, because we need to say X, Y, C. Okay. And I say, if we really need to say X, Y, C, we will need to do it in another way. We cannot really copy paste what you have on your website and then just be like, oh, well, that's it. No, yeah. you need to make it conversational. And that's where 
it's hard. And I think like I'm still every day I keep learning on how to do it better because at the very beginning, it was just kind of like trying also making sure that the companies at the end of the day understand the value of you are not just creating a chatbot for your website. Because that is something that I've been fighting a lot. Like, this is not yet your website that you just translated into a chat. Exactly. exactly. It's not, what? So frustrating. <laughs> and I, ah, I just, no, no, yeah. this is not I like, this is not something that, because at the end of the day, why would you do that? You go into your website and you have everything there. Exactly. But I think that that happens when companies just want a chatbot, but they don't know why they want it for because, okay, so you have this, for example, frequently asked question that solves three different things and we want to separate it in three different topics or questions. Yes. They're like, but why? That's more work. Why don't we just do it in one question? Just one. Okay, but the space is more limited. You are going to force the user to scroll up and down. You're going to give them so much information. And in conversational design, cognitive overload is really a thing and you have to be really conscious about it. But they understand it. This is something that I struggle sometimes and I I need to find the balance with my clients because as I said, our company is Spectrum, we do more around conversation marketing at social media level, right? So yeah. Instagram, Facebook, WhatsApp. So users go to social media where they spend quality time with their friends, with their families, with the loved ones. Yeah. So we really need to touch upon those elements in a really subtle way. Otherwise, it's just marketing without conversation. Yeah. And having like super lengthy messages, chunky messages, like in the experience and used to scrolling up and down. That's a no-no. <laughs> it should be for everyone. <laughs> it should be a no-no for anyone. Yes, right? Yeah. Like those messages, no way, no go. Good. I think we are covering a lot of topics today. I think one of the last things that I want to kind of like touch upon conversation design is once you translate the use case from a company or from like a brand, mm -hmm. what's the next step? So for me, for example, just gonna like give you a heads up. So for me, once I start, once I collect the use case of the brand and I mm -hmm. translate it into a dialogue trigger, like a flow, I start thinking about how that use case can be turned into a conversation structure. So like I go through the happy path or like the different turns of the conversation. And then I have like, at the end of the day, the aim of the brand, like the aim of the use case is to either a click out to a specific website mm -hmm. or having learned something about that specific product that they're looking for. So how is your process for you? Is that similar? Is there any other step within? It's similar, but I have more steps in my process because the projects that I have been working on in the past few years have yeah. been very complex technology-wise, not like yes. conversational-wise, but due to the technology complexity. What would be the hard stops that you found that like that they are more complex in technology? What would be some of those? Understanding how the cognitive motor works, the dialogue flow, IBM Watson, whatever. Because when you design and you don't have the linguistic part in your mind, you may be designing things that are impossible or more difficult yes. for with team. That's one part. But the other part is the technology stoppers. Okay. You have integrations with services to retrieve information and you have to, when you can call the service, which information you need to give the service so you can retrieve the information you need. And you also have the business part, which is 
what is the company expecting at the end of the day with this conversation? Is it to drop the user task, to create more conversion, to create a channel where the users are going to speak with frequently? Because that's one of the main goals, to give conversational channels a number of users that speak with them frequently. Because of that, I have to speak with many different teams. And you know, because we have worked together when you were a linguist and I was a designer, I spoke with you for the understanding part, but I also spoke with the developers for the technology part, with the... API integrations, right? Yes. All of that, all of that. And then you have the stakeholders. Not, <laughs> not all of them are on the same plane with their objectives. So you have to speak with them in great detail about what they want and how are we going to do it. Yes. And when I have that list written down and approved, I start designing. Okay. I see when I have, but it's like when I have some approximation because no process is closed. Forward, so it's moving. Yeah. Yeah. You always have to be modifying things as you go by. But then you start designing and then I usually verify with the technical team that what I am designing uh -huh. is correct because correct. it makes sense yes then we have to make more changes when they are implementing the things and i usually try to review my designs with other people yeah with other peers yes because when you're designing a conversation sometimes you get in your own head and you design yeah. one type of experience but that experience might not be great for everyone so i try to check with uh, different people are you okay with this? Do you understand this? What do you think of the whole experience? And... As an extent, yes. No, no, totally agree. I think at the end of the day, one of the key elements that you just said that it makes so much sense is that once you start creating a conversation, there's so many things that you need to count on. So like either way, you need to talk to developers to learn about the API call integrations. How do we do that? Because you might have something in your head, you created the conversation and suddenly they're like, yeah, but that's a no-go. We cannot do that. And you're like, oh, sure, I need to change the conversation. Then you have the stakeholders from the company and they might have different ideas about what's the aim or the end goal of the tablet. So you need to kind of like really uh, path your way into, okay, so we want to do this. Are we still on the same page, everyone here in the room? And then I would say that in between us or like between us, it's so good to always have a, a new, fresh pair of eyes checking yeah. the experience. Because as you say, we get so into the conversation that we think that this is the way to go for the conversation right. to work. But then someone comes in and they're like, wait, no, why, why, why that way and not this way? And you're like, oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Very nice. Well, Ala, I think it's been a pleasure talking to you today. I think it's a wrap for the day. And thank you very much for your time. Um, it's been lovely. Always good to chat with you and spend time and quality time with you. And obviously also talking about conversation design. I think definitely we can agree that we are very enthusiastic about this topic. So <laughs> bear in mind that I might bring you back in the table again. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. It has been <laughs> So I would say if people want to follow your journey, uh, where can they find you? Do you have LinkedIn and what's your LinkedIn and everything? They can find me on LinkedIn and my LinkedIn is Adalia Cuesta Bergstrom. My last name is different. <laughs> okay, Adalia Cuesta Bergstrom, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. And there I sometimes, not uh, quite frequently, but I post about conversational design. Yes. 
Yeah. That's good. Okay. So that is lovely. Thank you very much again for your time today, Ada. It's been a pleasure and always, always having you is uh, it's great. So have a good one and see you soon. Thank you.